This is American Dreams, the program where we interview thought leaders and entrepreneurs and bring their ideas to you in real world context. I'm busy here today with Lee Richter. Lee, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you. So Lee, in in recent months, you've uh, been on a roadshow talking about NFTs or non-fungible tokens. And uh, I'm really glad you're here today because there's all sorts of questions and things I want to learn about it. Uh, But, you know, starting at the basics and for the listeners, can you walk me through what exactly is a non-fungible token? I'm so glad you asked, Alan, because starting at the basics is really fundamental in all of this. And understanding this is built on the blockchain, which is a new form of digital currency, the way that we're working with one another. So a non-fungible token is a form of digital ownership that provides the ability to identify something as an individual unique item. That's a one of one item. There's only one and it's digital. Now, if you think about a fungible token, our number one fungible token on the planet is the US $100 bill, right? It's recognized all around the world. It has the same amount of value and it has the same amount of exchange value. So that is a fungible token where there's many, 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 and it's recognized as the same value. And now the opposite is the non-fungible token, which is the one of one unique item. So when you're uh, dealing with non-fungible tokens, I'm, I'm going to just shorten it to NFTs, NFTs. Uh, a brand new concept. And so a uh, person says, well, can I get one of these NFTs? And if so, how do I do that? Oh, that isn't a good question because we all have to go to the basics of getting our first one. And uh, recently I, I taught a friend of mine, his name is John Rulin. He runs the the whole thing called Giftology. You know, he has a book and a fundamental way of giving and giving and giving. And here, his very first NFT, he had to receive it. And what we did was we made one custom for him and we sent it. And then he had to learn the process of, wait, how do I receive an NFT? And the first thing you do is you open a wallet. We recommend people use MetaMask and open a wallet and then take ownership of that NFT in there. In addition, if you just want to buy one, a good place to go is a place called OpenSea. That's O-P-E-N-S-E-A. And in OpenSea, you go online and you look at what have artists put up there for sale. So there have been people as famous as Gary Vee and other people that have put their things up on these kind of platforms. It could be OpenSea, it could be Rarible, it could be Wax, different places where artists can and creators can now post their things for sale. And then collectors can come in and purchase it and put it in their collection. Each one might have a different reason to get though. Some of them you might get because it is the artist that you love or an artist that you follow or an artist that you believe will go up in value. And sometimes you're buying it not necessarily for the art, what you see, but for what the smart contract says you get with it. For example, just in October, we had Gary V who sold one piece of art that he did. It was a lined animal called the Empathy Elephant. And that went for $412,000 value because somebody thought, wow, not only do I want the empathy elephant, but I want what comes with it. And in this case, Gary Vee had put in the smart contract that for the next three years, you get to sit front row at my conferences. And so that person to them, not only was the empathy elephant a beautiful piece of art to get, 
but it was also access to him front row at his events, which I believe this person, that's what they want the most is access to Gary Vee for his learning, for his touch points, for being able to, you know, get to know each other. So it matters on the value to the person, but the one of one that he got was front row seats for three years and the ownership of Empathy Elephant. Now, Gary Vee in the last few months has sold $90 million worth of NFTs. And the Christie's Auction House just did an auction for him, a live auction. And it was one of the most successful auctions they'd ever done. But in the NFT market, it broke records. And it's all because there's people out there that are collectors that see the value and want to be in the game. And there's only so many he made. He made just over 10,000 of them. And so once they were gone, they were gone. Now, I'll tell you what, it took him 21 days to sell his collection back then when he first launched it. Would not take 21 days to sell it today because people are onto it and paying attention. And there's certain people like Tom Bilio and other people that are jumping in the game and creating value and creating something where people want to be part of their community. And so right now there's two sides of the market, the creators and the collectors. And all the reason that we see people coming together is for future value, for the novelty, but also for the community. So, Lee, I want to take this back a little bit, uh, dial back, and I want to uh, put an analogy out there that NFTs may have been around for a long time. Could we use an example of a a concert ticket? Uh, A concert comes into town base value of $90, but I'm like on the first row. And so all of a sudden, although I paid $90, that suddenly goes to 300 or to the best bidder. Is that an NFT? It, and you know, it's interesting that you say that because in that experience, it's the same type of experience we build into the NFT. So one of the examples we use is for Comic-Con because a friend of mine, Garib Seamus, had... 181 live Comic-Cons with 5 million people that came. And guess what? Every single person that came had a ticket. They had a physical ticket or an electronic ticket to get in the front door. And once they got inside, some people's tickets got them access to the VIP section. Some people got them access to exclusive things like signings by different artists or different superheroes. So you hit the nail on the head. It is just like that experience. However, we're moving into a place where we're seeing one of ones. And we could prove on the blockchain that you own that experience until you sell it to someone else. So I think the difference is we eliminate the middleman. All of a sudden, there's no need for scalpers. All of a sudden, there's no need even for Ticketmaster if we don't want to, because we can go direct to consumer and the consumer can show proof that it's the one of one that they own. So I love that you get this, Alan. We didn't talk about it ahead of time, but that's how I see it the most is it's a ticket for an experience. That's the number one reason I see. I'm trying to get something really basic and thinking that that one ticket would have a specific seat that would give a specific experience. Now, as as I move forward, and again, I'm still at the basics, so if I get off track, please put me back in, in line. Um, when we talk about the world of art, and let's say that we have a collector who has all sorts of very rare pieces. And, uh, and, and they put them on the wall and, and the person says, well, I want that to be my NFT. Um, however, there's only one piece of art and it's, it's a rare piece. Um, then the axis of that NFT would be just one painting going to one person. Is that 
correct? Yes, and we just did that with John Rulin. He created some original art, and he gave them as gifts. One of them went to Gary V. 2,500 people were there for him to get, for him to witness getting a four by six piece of original art. And with that, we created an NFT that says, number one, you own that piece of art, that one of one. Now we authenticated that you own it. And number two, because you own that art with this NFT, you're invited to a once in a lifetime experience. And John Rulin is creating an experience for his, what he calls mosaic moguls. And they get to come in. And so with the NFT, not only does it prove they own the art, but it gives them an opportunity to unlock a VIP experience with John. So again, it turns into a ticket and an experience. It turns into access. Um, and one of the, there's three reasons why I see for an NFT. Number one is like a ticket for admission, right? Is, is access. Number one is access. Number two is licensing something I want to do over and over again and give to people and prove they have the license to use that material or IP over and over. And number three is to authenticate something and say, I validate this is authentic. Gary Vee is even using them for speeches at the end where he puts an NFT and says, I want to say that this speech is true. No fakery. It is absolutely my voice and my opinion. Because right now with the internet, sometimes we can't tell what's real and what's fake. So those are the three reasons I will say right now, the ticket reason is what I'm looking at the most. I'm looking at my businesses and thinking, hey, how do I give my clients a VIP or an exclusive experience? And once they get this NFT, then they can turn it in or they can gift it to someone else or they can even sell it to someone else. I'm going to add something onto that art, though, if that's okay. Would that be okay with you? Yes, absolutely. I have some more questions, but go ahead. So the thing about the art for right now is you would have a one of one. An artist would create a piece of art. They would sell it to one person and they would get paid for that transaction. Now, 10 years from now, that person could resell it to someone else, but the artist would not be included generally in that second transaction. Whereas now, when using an NFT, you could build in the smart contract or the header or what the terms are. What are the terms of this NFT? One of the terms can be built in that anytime it's resold, a percentage of the sales goes back to the original artist. And this will live on forever. Even 300 years from now, the money can go to their heirs. And so it's really awesome that now the artist can be included in every transaction, not just the first, not just the second, but in perpetuity on and on and on forward. And there's already NFTs that have sold second and third generations where those artists have been paid two and three times or even more at this point. Uh, and that's great for them because number one, they eliminated the middleman. And number two, now they're really getting paid for their talent. And they're getting recognized when somebody else wants it even more. And so when something sells for $100 and then $10,000 and then a million, if that art is put in, they get 10% or 20%. Every time that sale happens, they get paid again. And it's automatic on the blockchain and transparent. So this is one of the ways of the future. This is why the artists and the people in the music industry are definitely paying attention. This is also why people in the real estate market are paying attention because right now, you have a lot of middlemen that need to be paid. And if you can eliminate those and go straight, you know, to a two or thir- third person transaction, that eliminates a lot of waste, a lot of human error, and now makes things transparent and easier for the consumer. You know, as we're, as we're defining the, uh, the, the community of NFTs, uh, there's a lot of questions that run through my head. And one of them is, what if I already own a painting, an original piece of art. Uh, and then the artist says, well, 
but I painted that. So I want to make that art my NFT, although I hold the the ownership. I mean, what's to prevent the artist from saying, I'm going to make NFTs out of that piece of work? That's a good question. I will say right now, a lot of those things are being determined. When people come to me with original art, one of the things we do is we go through a checklist of who owns the IP on this. When I mentioned Comic-Con earlier, they're an ideal client for me. Why? Because they own 100% of the IP. He owns 100% of his comic books. He owns the things that he brings out to the marketplace. So he doesn't have to ask permission. I will say right now, the first thing to do is consult with an attorney, an IP attorney. You see, is it when you've got that piece of art, do you get the rights to reproduce it? Do you absolutely, maybe only the family owns the rights to reproduce it and you only own your one of one. Could you sell an NFT for your one of one? Yes, because you could say once you own this NFT, you get this one of one. But if you can't reproduce it, then you can't sell it as multiple art. But yet, maybe the artist did retain that ownership and maybe they can do that. It's going to be case by case. I will see some of the things like the crypto punks that were given away in 2017 that now are worth millions of dollars. The IP went with it. So people who own those not only have the novelty of being the first in the game of owning a really valuable NFT, but they have the rights to reproduce it and put it on sneakers or t-shirts or even in a book or a story, whatever they want to do, they can reproduce it if it's in their agreement when they got it. So each one's going to be case by case. I think the attorneys are going to be kept pretty busy though, solving some of these mysteries for us. So Lee, I'm again, at a very basic level, I'm going to make a statement and um, tell me if it's true. From what I understand, NFTs have been around a long time. We just haven't called it NFTs. And it happens when there is a piece of art or something of rarity that is converted to cash, and it will not always convert at the same rate that you paid for that article, such as a ticket or a piece of art or something of, of rarity. And now we're in a world where, uh, as we enter a world of digital currency, uh, NFTs become more important because uh, the, the rarity of the current, the, the rarity of the article will will fluctuate depending on, you know, where, you know, where the buyer and the seller exist. Am I, am I well, I'm on still, the right track? I'm, I'm following along. And what I'm seeing is every transaction is going to be unique, right? And I do agree with you. The idea of one of ones has existed in unique items for many reasons, right? That's why Christie's was in business to begin with, because they often would auction off one of ones, whether it was cars or black diamonds or whatever, they already understood this marketplace. Yes, we're entering something different because it is digital. It is digital, right? We're going in and we're trading ETH and we're trading digital currencies for access to those NFTs as well. We're not just going in and buying with directly with a credit card. We're converting to Wax or Solana or or um, ETH to go and buy it. So yeah, we're dancing in a digital world with digital currency. So it is a different feeling and experience. For all of us. It's a whole different way of thinking about the digital world. However, it's here. (laughs) It's here right now. (laughs) We're learning it. Um, Part of being in the beginning, being the top 1% that are here first. I mean, we're still in that small little percentage of the planet in this, in this arena. 
What's so interesting about it is some of the rules are being created day by day and we're learning and seeing and adjusting based on what's happening in the real world. And it's not just America. I mean, it's in all different parts of the world. When I'm in a clubhouse room and I'm talking to a group of people about NFTs, literally it'll be like 30 or 40 countries represented just in people on stage giving their perspective. Here's what it's like in Israel. Here's what it's like in France. Here's what it's like in Dubai. And I'm seeing collaborations happen where creators are getting together, where marketers are coming in and where attorneys are coming in and giving advice, by the way, because they're asking questions just like you, like, how does this work? And how do I protect it? And if I have something, how do I know if I can do something? Now, I just witnessed Quentin Tarantino in New York City coming up with a group of people. I was one of the hundred people in the room. Tom Bilio was in the room. These are people paying attention to cryptocurrencies and uh, um, opportunities right now. And here we were in the room saying, hey, Quentin Tarantino, what can you do with your movies? What could you do with your ideas? And we were bouncing around ideas. And one of the things we thought about was taking his script and page by page turning into an NFT. Well, he owns that 100%, right? However, he also came up with the idea with seven different clips, a minute each that never made it in the movie. And he put it out as here's seven NFTs that we're going to launch. But immediately... Within a few days, there's now a court case around who owns the IP of this. So, of course, he wrote it. He would feel like 20 years ago, he put it out there. He's going to own the rights to all of it. This is his time to share some. And already somebody is coming and saying, wait a second, you don't own that all by yourself. Let's have a conversation about it. So um, it's in the news. It's happening right now as we speak. Something that seems such a great idea is now turning into a deeper conversation. So we'll be watching that case and we'll see, does Quentin Tarantino own the rights? Does the studio own the rights? Does he get to collaborate? What is going to happen is unfolding right in front of us. And I'm glad I was in New York in that room because I saw how innocent it started. And I saw how the spark from the audience was, we want more. If there's anything to share with us, share the script, share anything. Because he's like, the only person who ever saw the script was the one person who typed it. So up until now, nobody's even seen those pages. And so all of us are like, oh my God, we want to see the pages. How is Pulp Fiction written? How is Reservoir Dogs written? So he saw the excitement of the audience and thought, oh, I could bring them, I could bring them pieces that never have been seen. Everyone's going to be excited. What if you owned a minute of Pulp Fiction and you had the IP rights to reproduce it? Like, what could you do with that? So we're about to see because it's all being told to us in real time right now. So... I'd like to take this a step further. So yesterday, I was visiting with an individual. His name is Peter Borish, and he's one of the founding members of the Robin Hood Foundation. And Peter was talking about the Robin Hood Foundation does around $135 million a year in philanthropy and, and good works. And someone just recently gave a $25 million matching grant, and they said that you know, if someone will donate, they want to get the money out of the grant to, to match. And so he was on this this page. But one of the things that, that Peter said, he said, you know, it's, it's interesting how people give. He said, um, we find that when we put together a foundation event and charge $3,000 a ticket, that we get a tremendous amount of demand for the ticket. Versus, you know, a $5 donation here, $5, you know, that they're all plentiful. And it wasn't about the abundance of being cheap, but it was about rarity. So I want to 
take this analogy a step further. It's that access say, mentality. They have access to an exclusive event. It's the exact same it, thing we were talking about at the very beginning of the show is the number one reason for an NFT is to have access to have an incredible experience. And so he has already okay, figured that would, it out in real life. And now well, I, 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 I'm very basic, but, but thinking through my basic understanding, it's, it's the community in which the NFT exists. Not just saying, I have an NFT, but who is interested in that same community and who wants access? Am I on the right track? 100%. That's the number okay. one thing I'm seeing in the clubhouse rooms is the deep communities being built and how they support each other to the next level. Whether they're creators or they are the collectors, the community coming together has has created something special that they're paying attention to all the parts together. They're lifting each other together. They're creating. And by the way, one of the things we noticed is in some of the early NFT drops was when corporations were there sponsoring it, the community didn't love it as much. They really wanted it to be a natural community supporting each other and being authentic. So uh, that was one of the learning lessons we had with the Floyd Mayweather drop is that as soon as it felt like big business was involved, the community was not as excited about it. So uh, you're right. It's interesting because I've had a couple conversations where people where they're like, I don't really understand this building community thing. But all you have to do is look at people like Tony Robbins and different people that are coaches and have, even our friend Dan Sullivan. He has built an incredible community. Why are we in strategic coach? Yes, we love what we learn, but we love the other people in the room. We love the community that he assembles. And because of his brilliance, he resonates and he attracts people that are also brilliant. And we're like, this community is amazing, right? So what he has done is created an experience for all of us. I'm starting to understand this complex topic, and, and thank you. So then, okay, as an advisor in NFTs and as a thought leader, uh, a person comes to you and says, Lee, how do I create a valuable NFT? something of rarity. How would you respond to that? Well, first of all, I would tell them to get in as a collector and start looking at what's going on in the community of NFTs right now. Go to OpenSea, look for people they like, go inside a clubhouse and start learning it from the collector side of it or the creator side. I have artist friends that they jumped in from the creator side from the beginning. But just start to learn, sit in the background on the clubhouse rooms and, and hear the dialogue. Another thing I would recommend is my Instagram, uh, the Global Leaders Collective. We've put together a lot of education that's there for free. Uh, the Global Leaders Collective is really how we assemble other global leaders and share their message. And we've done it on our podcast and we've done it in speeches and spoken on their stages. What you get in there are the carousels that my team and I have been learning along the way. Like what are cryptocurrencies? What is decentralized? What? How do you buy an NFT? All of those are in the Instagram right now, and I have it for free for everyone. So anyone can go in there and see the education we've distilled for ourselves. Just go to the beginning and start reading it and get educated. Once you're educated, play in, play a little bit, buy a couple, get some cryptocurrencies, get in the marketplace. I teach parents. If you have kids that are teenagers between like 16 and 21, I will tell you, they get this. They don't have to unlearn anything. They just jump right in. 
So I have a 17-year-old daughter, and I'll tell you, one of the things I've learned is they can teach us something, right? So I've had some parents, uh, my friend Daryl and his daughter are doing this, a few other people that I know right off the bat, that what they did was they funded an account for their kids, maybe $1,000 or $5,000 if you could, and they do for themselves at the same time. So one of my friends has two boys. The three of them are in a competition now. Like, how can we do in the next, what would we do in the next year to grow this the best we can? But because they're in a competition, they're all learning and sharing together and they're sharing their wins and they're sharing their learning lessons, but they're able to really be in it because the mind, when in a challenge, engages at a different level. So those parents that are engaging their kids, making it a fun competition, not only are they learning, but the kids are so engaged that they're learning and then teaching the parents. And so I want that for everyone. I mean, you have such a great family and that would be super fun. You tie into a couple of them and let them brew into what is really, really amazing for them. How do they see it? How are they learning? How do they invest it? You do it with them, of course. And then at the same time, you're learning from their perspective. And I'm seeing with the kids, their mind is limitless. When I was just in New York at the NFT conference, there are many, many teenagers that are already multimillionaires just because they jumped in this game early they saw the novelty of it and they invested and they've already cashed out and made millions and millions of dollars. There's some billionaires in there too that are barely 21. And it blows my mind to see the limitless thinking that they have because they're in this marketplace. So I want that for all of us. I don't want any of us to be left behind. Does that make sense? I want all of us I, to be together. Absolutely love it. And Lee, what I would like to do uh, we're running up against our time today, but I want to invite you back to take us to the next level. Today, I just want to stay on the basics of what is an NFT, and uh, and, and we're still learning this world, but uh, would you be willing to come back and do a, an update for us? Absolutely. And in January, I'm launching an NFT challenge. It's at nftchallenge.com. And in the challenge, we're bringing entrepreneurs and people in to say, number one, why pay attention to NFTs? Number two, how is it changing our world? Number three, what tools do you need to get in? And then number four, what can you do for your personal life, but also for your business or for your customers? Like thinking about creating a strategy, right? Not just jumping in and being haphazard, but really creating a strategy that works for you, for your life, for your business, and all the way to your community. Actually, we have life, business, customers, and community. And I love that you notice right away, it really is about building a community, so my husband's a veterinarian, and what am I looking at? How could we serve our clients more? How could we honor their pets more? How can we create an experience that at the end they feel like they're in a tighter and better community? And so I think you're on the right track. And yes, I am super excited about continuing this conversation with you. Love it. Lee, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. 